0: Hi, this is Dave Balter, and you're listening to Leadership Biz Cafe.
1: Hi everyone, this is Kevin Nasir, and on today's episode of Leadership Biz Cafe, I'll be talking with Dave Balter about the importance of humility in leadership. Dave is the founder and CEO of BuzzAgent, a word-of-mouth social marketing company which has been featured on the CBS Evening News, the BBC, and the New York Times Sunday Magazine, as well as being the subject of two Harvard Business School cases. Harvard Business School has described Dave as one of Boston's hottest technology CEOs, and he was also included in the 40 Under 40 list by the Boston Business Journal and the Advertising Specialty Institute. Recently, Dave started an online venture called 100 Days of Humility in order to help draw attention to the importance of humility in leadership by providing people with a place to share their stories and ideas on how to foster humility in today's workplaces. The project has been quite successful, attracting a number of well-known contributors, including Guy Kawasaki and Seth Godin. So welcome, Dave. It's nice to have you
0: on the show. Tanveer, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here.
1: I guess a good place to start a discussion is to learn more about your inspiration for creating the Hundred Days of Humility project. So what was behind your decision to draw more attention to the issue of humility and leadership
0: yeah um so I've had uh, a few businesses in my day i'm i'm on my I'm on my sixth and the fifth company is one uh called buzz agent that uh sold after about 10 years it, it sold to a company called tesco um but in in the middle of that company um i had a big wake-up call which was basically the the business for a long time in a business, great high flyer uh I, I would look back and say now and, and sort of hindsight my sort of ego and everything else got a little out of control Uh, uh, I believed my own press and it only took the business going through a very difficult hardship and the sort of inward looking and recreation uh, to fix ourselves and come out the other side that I sort of was able to realize that that the lack of humility almost uh, crushed the company and more than anything else, everyone can point to like market trends and all these other things. I believe that it was I had gotten into a mode where as a leadership process, I was I was generating uh, no humility, frankly, and and needed to change that. And that only that change, you know, got us to the next stage. So I actually documented this after the, the sale of the company. I wrote an article um, uh, about the need for humility that was published in Inc. magazine. And the and the market response was uh so overwhelming i mean so many people saying this is this has happened to me or i have a boss who is like this or you know i had my own company or you know i can't believe anyone would actually share that they realized how much of an egoist they were and all this sort of stuff that i felt there had to be some other way to keep this idea a going and b uh to creating much more value in the long run for um you know for for others who wanted to hear the story so we said how else can we do this hey, let's pull something really fun and engaging together. Uh, we'll call it the, the 100 days of humility or the humility imperative and and um, create an experience and let people share their own stories. Uh, and that that's really where it all began.
1: You know, we all like to say that um, humility and leadership is important. Uh, and certainly it's a, a more noble trait to display. But in today's economy, the bottom line is obviously a key focus. And so some might look at Worrying about whether they are humble in their leadership or not is a luxury most can't afford. So to answer that resistance, what tangible benefits or improvements have you seen taken a hold because you brought that greater sense of humility to how you lead your organization?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, there's there's a you know a lot of I, I think the first sign of a lack of humility is the is the indication that well we we just have too many important things to do and you know that's not that's on the top. I mean. You know, I think in one of your previous podcasts, you talk about the importance of vision and, you know, it's the same type of thing, like, oh, we don't have time to create vision, you know, that that we'll just keep moving. Well, these are the most important fundamental things and humility and leadership is one of those things that sort of either lets your company breathe and sort of, uh, you know, fulfill its potential or restricts it to a point where it actually can't become, um, you know, what's possible and, You know, in some senses for us, you know, humility allowed us to, you know, do things like, you know, actually ask why we would lose accounts and, you know, talk to clients uh, about what was happening that, you know, had them leave us to go elsewhere. Um, You know, we were able to, I mean, I think the sort of number one indication for me is, you know, the, the team, the actual way people interact, the willingness to, you know, cross the chasm, do all those awesome things is only possible when people trust each other that uh, that they're going to b- listen and be uh, available to understand that their idea isn't always the right idea and, you know, that people can sort of share with each other and, and uh, you know, be able to sort of, you know, accept the possibility that they're not always right and that, that somebody else might have, the, might have the, a better idea. So, you know, the, the indications and the sort of results of all this are um, – You know, a company stops being so inwardly focused that it actually can't figure out how to become something more than it is. And you know, you step back a little bit and you you sort of let everybody know that there are mistakes that can be made, but everyone can grow from them and you know, everyone's voice is is something that's willing to be heard, everything everything will start to change.
1: So tell me a bit more about the Hundred Days of Humility project. What is the goal and purpose you have in mind in creating this project?
0: All right. So the hundred days of humility. Um, I want to step back a bit, which is uh, over the course of the history of of this, uh, the last sort of decade or so. One thing that we've been, uh, or I've been very intrigued by, is the idea of uh, sort of aligning creativity and business. Uh, and so we've gone through a, a number of projects. This is sort of the the culmination of a whole bunch of products uh, projects. One was called ninety days of buzz agent. We actually had a writer. Uh, spend 90 days inside the business and documented what he saw and then we had an artist where this all sort of began follow suit and come in and do a project with us uh called the bento box where every day he painted this big painting of a bento box like a, a japanese bento box and every day another piece of the box would open up in a and a little a business tidbit from the perspective of either uh somebody who worked here or for me or someone else would open up and sort of you know, it's this combination of sort of fun, creativity, and art with the idea of business. And so 100 days is is in the same vein. We wanted to spend a finite time period, 100 days, and uh, had people submit to us their perspectives on humility in the workplace. It may have been an experience they had. It may have been uh, something that, you know, that they you know they maybe they almost lost one of their businesses or uh, you know they 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 saw somebody else in the marketplace and the type of humility they had and they wanted to tell their story I I feel like there's all these people with tons of stories about humility but there's no place to tell it so we created this space where they could submit their story and then every week we would take the best stories as voted by uh, the people who went to the site and uh, our artist in residence this guy Seth Minkin the guy who did the bento box uh, would actually paint a mini-painting of that story, uh, at which point we would send that out to the person who submitted it. So what what it turned into was this sort of okay, give a place for people to tell their stories, it's sort of you know, that, that vocal piece that you've never had, but at the same time we'll turn those a little bit, make it a little bit fun, let's turn them into sort of these creative outputs that, you know, can be something that, you know, is sustainable and fun to sort of visualize and all that sort of stuff. So for us, it's sort of A, the concept of doing this for 100 days, but B, uh, sort of mashing up art and uh, and business together and seeing what comes of it.
1: Now, the interesting point you make about uh, your website is how uh, it's got this interactive element to it that uh, people can come and they can not only share uh, their experiences, their ideas on humility, but that others can basically say what resonates with them, what messages, what ideas, what stories. Uh, impact than when it comes to the concept of humility and leadership. And I'm wondering if maybe that's one of the reasons why we're having this lack of humility being practiced in today's leadership, is that there is that lack of interaction between leaders and their employees. I mean, we all talk about the importance of communication, but when a leader is the only one talking, when you feel you're the only one who has something important to share, it becomes easier for you to elevate yourself above your team instead of recognizing uh, you as the leader are more dependent on them than they are on you
0: yeah i mean that i mean it is a it is certainly something that that isn't rare and i think part of that is leadership is you know just the way most corporate you know constructs are you know leaders are sort of put on a pedestal and uh, you know it's the ceo's word and you know everyone's to to follow that and because of that you sort of create this environment this dynamic whereby naturally The leaders start to say, well, what we say is going to be the answer and and uh, others are going to follow us. So our answers must be right. So, you know, it's a sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy in a lot of ways, Um, you know. But I think, you know, I think on some level there are things that can be done to break that um, that cycle. And, And, you know, for for me, the baseline is sort of this sense of transparency between leadership and their employees. And by transparency, that can take lots of forms. Um, One that sort of always sticks out to me is you find that in most corporate cultures, people uh, start to make up their own stories. um, Because they don't understand some of the decisions are being made or or what's happening or are afraid to maybe ask executives about what's occurring, they start to create almost their own rumors, right? Why did we make this business decision? Oh, I heard that you know there was a fight between two of the executives, and they developed what you know, whatever it is, it sort of comes out, and it's usually not entirely correct. And so, how do you put things in place to stop those uh, miscommunications between execs and employees occurring? And you can have a couple, you know, ideas. One thing we do is we have um, we have every two weeks we have a company meeting, and anybody can submit any question. Uh, that will be read aloud and answered. And that can be anything, and you can submit it anonymously, you don't have to even say who you are. Um, So it could be about why is it that we keep missing targets, but people keep saying we're doing great? Or, um, you know, why are there not enough spoons in the kitchen, right? Um, It can be anything, but what you find is by allowing these questions to get out into the open and, and ensuring that you're gonna answer it no matter what, you stopped the whole machine of miscommunication between an employee and their executives. And so we'd push really hard to sort of the first barrier to humility is this, is this communication barrier, the, the fact that not everybody knows all the right information. And so you start to sort of create your own information. So I would stress the companies put things in place to sort of break down that, that wall so that those things never happen.
1: And I think, yeah, The example you share shows another key point, which is um, how leaders engage with their employees. Um, in your case, for example, people can feel free to ask whatever question they want. And a similar thing would be if, for example, I'm expecting people to refer to me by my title as opposed to me by my name. This kind of creates this gap or even a barrier between us that I'm somehow more significant, more important than you are. And so that impedes the interaction and the opportunity for people to feel respected and valued because. It's we're looking at it more in terms of our titles, our places in the organogram rather than what is our our collective efforts being directed towards, what is it we want to collectively accomplish?
0: Right. Am I still supposed to call you Sir Tanveer? <laughs> no. Okay, I won't do that anymore, Sir, I won't do that anymore, sir. Um, yeah, I mean, titles are are an interesting thing. I mean, I do feel. You know, for a variety of reasons, people need to, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not one of the guys that's like, throw titles out or make yourself chief, you know, whatever, you know, chief cool officer. You know, I do think there's, there's, uh, there's need for good understanding of who's doing what and why. Um, you know, you're the chief marketing officer. I think I understand what that means. It's when you use those titles inappropriately so that because I'm the chief marketing officer, um, you know, I, my answer is right. Right. As opposed to as a chief marketing officer, my goal is to empower the people around me who are experts in everything they do to to understand that they have that their voice is, is really important to us and that that they may have a better answer than I have. And so I, all my job is, is to facilitate their dialogue with the company so that they can get, uh, you know, get great things done. That's a different way to use it.
1: Exactly. And this brings to mind a study I read recently, which I'd like to share with you and get your thoughts on. The study in question looked at how managers go about making decisions in their organization. What they found was that when people are in the lower ranks of management, they're more willing to go out and seek the input of their team, finding out what's going on at the front lines uh, in order to make an informed decision. But when they start to move further up the organizational ladder, they don't ask their employees or direct reports as much for their input because they believe they're now capable of making sound decisions based on their own knowledge of a situation and what they perceive from their position in the organization. So perhaps this is another reason why humility is not a more common trait in leadership, because as people attain these high-level positions, they begin to focus more inward in trusting themselves more than they trust those they lead.
0: Mm. And there's a there's a, a another perspective there which a lot of companies sort of fall into the trap of, which is executives don't want people to believe that they don't know the right answer. Right. And so the only way to do that is to not ask the questions, because if they ask the questions, then it's proven they don't really know what they're supposed to do. And the truth is, you know, I think the most successful executives are one who ones who have good, strong visions and know how to keep you know everybody within the white bright white guides you know that they've got laid out for the direction of the business but within those guidelines they're clear that they don't know all the answers and that as a matter of fact it's what you know what extra uh value each employee puts into the business that's going to make that vision actually come true um and so you know it's it's a non I I wouldn't say, I often say like businesses aren't democracies and they're not autocracies. You know, there's something a little bit like a socialist society, which is, you know, everybody gets a, you know, is, is part of the same wonderful dynamic utopian society that that is going to, uh, you know, going to reap the benefits of something that actually together you can build, um, you know, but that doesn't mean one leader has the decision for everything and it also doesn't mean everybody has the exact same voice uh it means that you've got some greater good some cause that you're all in the same path towards and working together you can get there
1: right i think this ties into the point you made earlier about transparency um in that this is really more about your character of who you are and how you treat those around you and your willingness to not only admit you don't have all the answers but demonstrating a trust in your employees to help your organization succeed in finding those solutions.
0: Right. Absolutely. And I, you know, I think um, you know, one of the one of the things we sort of talk about with, you know, transparency is sort of the beginning. I think I think one thing I just I just would sort of lean into on that is sort of executives. I think I think executives often aren't transparent with themselves meaning um, so there's one side which is you know transparency to your your staff and that's a communications thing transparency with yourself is often around things like competition where you start to look at the world through the lens of well we we're great and we know what we're doing and we spend all this time working on things together and we're actually kind of successful so I'm going to dismiss what things happen you know are happening around us and they don't get it and Oh, those guys—they're, you know, they're doing X, Y, and Z, and it's just not as right as what we're doing. And being transparent with the fact that your competitors, or the people you don't even know exist yet, may have a better answer than you, and may be doing things in a better way than you are. And being willing to let that into your fold to say, look, we're we're in this room working as a team, and it's not that competitor A are, you know, morons. It's that let's let's understand that the market, has, you know, people are smart and. You know, the the transparent truth is the thing around the corner may be better than we are. How are we going to build a business to support our clients in ways that can learn from that as opposed to trying to sort of inwardly hide from that? Um, so this sort of outward transparency with yourself is also very, very important to, uh, to making businesses succeed.
1: This brings to mind something you mentioned earlier about how a few years back you realized your ego. Was getting in the way of leading your team. I think that touches on what we're talking about here, Uh, namely that success over time can, over the long run, inadvertently cause us to put on these blinders which obscure our vision and cause us to forget the whole purpose of our leadership. That it's not about accumulating those successes as it is helping those you lead to be successful. So, in terms of humility, how can it help leaders? To avoid putting on these blinders, so that they can keep their focus on how they can address and support the needs of their team.
0: Right. Um, well, one thing I think I've, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, and this is a good example to sort of answer the question is, I'm watching what what Reed Hastings is doing with Netflix, and you know he came out of this, you know they changed their subscription price, you know uh, then you know that didn't go over so well in the market, and then and then we're going to split our business into two and that really didn't go over well in the marketplace. And what what I've been watching is everything that um, Reed has been doing is through this lens of I'm pretty sure I know what the vision is, but I'm gonna be humble a, enough to retract and adjust as I learn from the market in a way that is most people would not have the strength to do. Um and yeah, you can talk a lot about its stock price and all these other things. But the truth is that I think Reed is right. His businesses should be split in two. And Instead of reacting to the market by getting upset that they don't love the fact that things should be split apart and it's not perfect for every consumer, he's well aware that in ten years, you know DVD by mail isn't really going to be a business at all, and we all know that um, you know, but people get upset and so what I like though is when he came back out to talk about you know, gosh, I was wrong for the moment you know, big footnote for the moment, I was wrong, and yes, Quickster was a horrible name for a business. Um, You know, he did he did so in a way that wasn't sort of an attack on you don't know and I know, but was a way that said, look, I have strength of conviction and I believe in this vision very much. And I think it's the one that actually is going to be the long term for this business. But I'm willing to say that I may have been wrong about the steps I took for us to get there. Um, And that's everything from how he communicated about it to, you know, you know, how it how it impacted consumers and everything else. And I think. You know, the sort of foundations of all this are, and I want to be really clear, is that humility doesn't mean you're you're a weak leader and you're not making strong, risky decisions that are your own. What it really means is that you're willing to uh, make those decisions in ways that are with open ears and the ability to to hear everything around you and continue to adjust and say, I don't always know the exact right way to get where I'm going, but I am going to get where I am going. And I'm willing to bet that if we wait another two years, that Netflix will switch its business into two business models and the DVD business will fall away eventually. Um, but this just wasn't the right time. And this guy operated in a way that uh, you know, ha- w- he was humble enough to make the change back to where, where he heard the market was at the moment. I think it's a very powerful sort of lesson for all of us. So
1: Dave, based on your own experience, How do you think leaders can bring a greater sense of humility to their leadership? What measures should they take? And perhaps more importantly, what signs should they be on the lookout for to know whether they're missing out on being more present for their employees uh, and as the example you gave for their customers as well?
0: Right. I mean, I would hear um, some interesting things that sort of, now that I look back, um, one is when everybody sort of is waiting for your answer, uh, so I, I used to hear a lot of that, like, you know, we made all these decisions, but we couldn't do anything because we needed you to decide, right? That's a, that's a, that's a sort of, you've set your, your business up to be about you not about the company. Um, and so I would, I would try to empower people, your executives and others around you to act in ways where, you know, they have the right and the ability to move forward without always waiting for your final word on everything. Um. You know, I think when you start hearing people around, we talked a little about competition. I think you when you start hearing, uh, you know, people dismiss every competitive uh, company or as, you know, not getting it. I think that's a signal that, you know, that things aren't the company isn't acting humbly. And uh, I would I would work towards ways that the business can, you know, uh, embrace the idea that they're that the competition and the market, it may be smarter than they are. Um, you know, I think one big key is when you hire people to do certain things, you have to give them the running room to make mistakes and let them know that it's okay, that mistakes are going to happen and that that doesn't mean you think they're not good at what they do. So, um, you know, that's a really important, hard thing for many executives to get right. Uh, I suppose one of the one of the last things I'd take a look at is that is that you as an executive are probably not good at a whole bunch of things. And being able to admit to yourself that just because you've been put in the power position to make, uh, you know, leadership decisions doesn't mean that you have the smarts about all roles and all responsibilities in order to to be good at those things. And so knowing what to not do and what to give up on and what things to not, you know, what practices to not oversee, those are are really uh, big, humble moments to take advantage of.
1: Well, I think those are some great points that all of us can benefit from, regardless of what our role is in our organizations. Dave, I want to thank you for taking the time to share your story and your experiences, and I really appreciate your helping to draw more attention to the importance of uh, humility in today's leadership. I'm really hoping this conversation has helped to inspire our listeners to not look at it as being some sort of nice, quaint, you know, singing around the campfire concept, but something that is not only necessary but valuable for today's leaders to help their teams and organizations stick together and thrive despite whatever challenges they face in front of them.
0: I, I thank you for having me, Allow me to tell the story, and, uh, and I, will, I will only call you Sir Tanvir one more time.
1: <laughs> well, I'm glad, I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad to hear it, Dave. Thank you again. Thanks a lot. Thanks. I've been talking with Buzz Agents CEO Dave Balter about the importance of humility in leadership. To learn more about his project, 100 Days of Humility, visit this episode's page on my website at Tamvernasir.com. And that concludes this episode of Leadership Biz Café. I hope you enjoyed this latest discussion, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode, as well as what topics you'd like to hear in future episodes of this show. You can do this by leaving a comment on this episode's webpage, or by filling out the contact form on my website. Until next time, this is Tanvir Nasir. Thanks everyone for listening.